Well, uh, good evening. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim DeWire. And it's unbelievable, but this is what we call fortuitous propage. I come into the studio, and what do I find? A Sharpie. A Sharpie. Sharpie, Sharpie man. I just want to be a Sharpie man. Yeah. Uh, or to paraphrase, uh, that famous U of M acting grad, Struther Martin, what we have here is a failure to illustrate. Well, now it's emerging that uh, Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross apparently did some leaning on the uh, NOAA, the yeah. the weather administrators, the scientists and, and government, uh, you know, employees. We're going to cut off your funding. <clears throat> Probably. You, you better not contradict the president. Even though he's wildly wrong and bizarrely assertive about it. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. God, just back away. <laughs> well, just drop it. I mean, right. You know, the, the thing that's interesting, I'm, I was lucky enough to kind of track down <clears throat> the origin of uh, reportage on Tropical Storm Dorian, because that's what it was first called. Uh, back on the 27th of August, and they noted that it was gaining strength in the Atlantic Ocean and moving towards Barbados and the Eastern Caribbean on Monday. Uh, this is from the 27th of October, and uh, it says Dorian could sideswipe southwestern Puerto Rico as a Category 1 with winds of at least 74 miles an hour. That's a, you know, a, a report that's based on where it's at out in the Atlantic Ocean. It's a long way away. But the problem with the president here is he's not arguing with the media. He's arguing with a weather station in Birmingham. They're weathermen. They're not part of the, quote, fake news media. In fact, weathermen take great pride in trying to be as accurate as possible. And they can never be precise. You know, they can give you a Indeed. ballpark. In fact, the very image that he doctored yeah. itself contains indicators of degrees of uncertainty. We talked about that last week. What is it? The cone the of cone uncertainty? The cone of uncertainty, yeah. Uh, great, great article in the... The, uh, the top end of it is bigger and to the clueless or to the ill-informed or for people who choose not to read but merely, well, I think I have interpreted this diagram correctly, that expanding bulge at the top of the cone is not an indicator of strength or anything. It's it's an increasingly ambiguous probability guess. Based on past. Based on past, based on uh, computer projections for the current uh, statistics and readings, that it may potentially uh, develop into any one of these areas. But, of course, by the time he was holding up the chart, which he doctored, let's be blunt, yeah, uh, all insinuations around, like, who else is going to do that? Um, it was already determined by then that the uh, trajectory of the storm was going to go up the coast towards the Carolinas. That is, away from the direction of Alabama. 
Yeah, maybe he got confused because Alabama is kind of like Bahama, uh, kind of like Obama. How ironic. Well, the chart he was holding up to began to look like a sort of a prostate exam thing with Florida and the cone and his little additional bulge at the back end. It's like, oh, I think someone's prostate needs attention here. Well, and he allegedly got that map, and I don't even know if this is legitimate, but he got it from some agency in, uh, in Florida called the Florida Soil and Water Conservation Department. Look, the National Hurricane Center and the National Weather Service give the best projections that they can give. And, I mean, all you got to do is go back and check out these predictions. On the 30th of August, this is before uh, uh, Trump mentioned Alabama, it showed Dorian going towards the Florida coast just southeast of Orlando, kind of near Daytona Beach. And, of course... What we now know, this was a prediction, it stalled over the Bahamas, spun around, lost speed, but gained moisture. And, of course, this is why the Bahamas, these two uh, islands, are just devastated. It's catastrophic damage. I mean, I mean we're talking about probably thousands of deaths, mm-hmm. certainly tens of thousands of homeless. And this is going to be very difficult to clean up. This is... This well, is, and yeah. they're the canary in the coal mine, by the way, with with uh, climate change and whatnot. And for those in the media, uh, Fox particularly, who uh, it's always amusing to me how Fox sort of disincludes itself from the media when they when they attack the media in yeah. general, forgetting that they are, of course, a big part thereof. Uh, for those out there who are saying, well, this is just another example of the media just, you know, dogpiling on this president, blah, 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 blah. You know, there's enough other meat out there to cover if Trump himself had not continued to aggressively tweet about this, defending himself on the matter, even in the face of actual damage, actual suffering. You know, okay, Florida was lucky. It didn't hit landfall. But there's still thousands of uh, families that have been displaced, thousands of businesses that have had to take the extra expense of boarding up, losing the last big holiday weekend. There's a lot of lost revenue here and actual physical suffering. I mean, the Bahamas, you know, they're not quite like Puerto Rico where there's, you know, that's actually part of the United States. But... There's heavy-duty suffering going on there, and not word one from the uh, egotist-in-chief. No, and, and of course, the, ultimately, the projections that the Nash, uh, National Weather Service and National Hurricane Centers gave was accurate. Mm-hmm. It went along the Atlantic seaboard. It affected—I uh, mean, it still the affected— The Carolina's pretty darn good. Well, it, it hit the Outer Banks directly, and mm-hmm. we heard today that it— at Halifax, uh, Nova Scotia. It, That's a big storm that runs that long. Yeah, it knocked over a construction sh- crane. So the the Birmingham weather station that corrected the president. I mean, let's face facts here. He made a statement on the Sunday before Labor Day. Ninety eight percent of Americans aren't even paying attention to the news. To be honest with you, they're planning the barbecue or the parade or football the, season the march started or, so there's lots going on yeah football college football whatever 
they did, they're not paying attention to the weather forecast. Now, obviously, this Dorian had been in the news for a long, long time. But to continue to just kind of insist I'm right and they're wrong is unbelievable. And it was almost appropriate that the Birmingham weather station uh, made note of the fact, well, six days later, still no rain. <laughs> and, of course, you know, this uh, How to Read a Hurricane Map article in the Sunday uh, Week in Review by Albert Cairo, professor, professor of visual journalism at the University of Miami, um, with the forthcoming book, How Charts Lie, goes into a very interesting description of how they do come up with these hurricane maps based on uh, computer models and the so-called cone of uncertainty. Um, the cone looks deceptively simple, but its simplicity can be a liability if people believe that they're out of harm's way when they aren't. And, of course, to unnecessarily panic people in Alabama, the weather station's doing its job. It's basically saying, look, folks, uh, you're not in the vicinity of this storm. Uh, yeah, there might be some winds, et cetera. Um, but uh, for the president to go on, you know, and this this is just part of the continuing pattern of Donald Trump's uh, strange behavior, to say the least. This has been going on for months. You know, even on it's funny that even on the weekend of the Fourth of July, remember he he did his little uh, history lesson when he gave his independence speech. On how George Washington went to secure the uh, air bases. Our army manned the air. It rammed the ramparts. It took over the airports. Rammed it, the ramparts. Yeah, it did everything it had to. And at Fort McHenry, under rocket's red glare. It had nothing but victory. This is after he was talking about the American Revolution. He just sort of leapt forward there. Um, let's worry about America's real problems, Mr. Trump. Um, well, one of which admittedly is him. Well, yeah. He's, <laughs> but know, he'll never address that problem. It was bizarre to see a former uh, vice chair of the Federal Reserve a couple weeks ago, Bill Dudley, uh, actually openly urged the Fed not to lower interest rates <laughs> to deliberately damage Trump's reelection. Uh, I thought that comment was strange in and of itself because I don't think lowering interest rates a quarter of a point is going to do much for the American economy at this point uh, because the American economy has other real problems. Uh, we've talked before, and this is this is an interesting little item that I kind of appreciated uh, because of the retaliatory t tariffs that China has placed on lobster. Um, it's quite interesting that the big beneficiary of this is Canada. <laughs> In other words, we've talked about how people find other sources for their markets to go to markets. So the Canadian lobster uh, catch is booming. Um says uh, here on the 27th of August, business is booming in Canada where cargo planes are coming to Halifax, Nova Scotia, and Mockton, New Brunswick to handle a growing bumper of lobster exports. Canadian fishermen catch 
the same species of lobster as the Americans, who are based mostly in Maine. American exports exported less than 2.2 million pounds of lobster to China this year through June. According to data from the federal government, the country exported nearly 12 million pounds during the same period last year. That's a significant drop-off. I imagine uh, Maine State Senator Susan Collins will be hearing some angry words from Maine lobster fishermen. So there may be more lobster in your local supermarkets and seafood uh, uh, outlets uh, here in the United States, but uh, this is the impact of the trade war uh, with no end in sight. And, uh, well, you know, other things are equally confusing this whole thing about the afghan peace uh secret peace talks at camp david right around 9 11 yeah it's like huh and it was almost like trump invented that you know just a couple of months ago um when the peace talks were being openly discussed uh kalazad uh who's been who worked for bush uh, as a negotiator, uh, was part of the uh, American provisional government of Iraq, in fact, uh, during certain parts of that occupation, has been um, negotiating with the Taliban uh, for quite some time. It's basically been in, I believe, Doha, uh, though it has not included the Afghan government. And, of course... To really get a comprehensive Afghan peace settlement, you got to get Pakistan in. You got to get Saudi Arabia in. Bring in Jared Kushner. Although Jared Kushner's uh, go-to guy on the alleged Mideast peace plan, uh, Stephen Greenblatt, has announced he's stepping down. Right, claiming he's going to step down once the plan is announced. <laughs> Whenever that might be. Yeah, we're, but yeah, I mean, we're how, still we, we talked about that a week or two ago. How can you have peace talks between the U.S., the Taliban, that don't include the Afghan government that we're ostensibly there to support? So that was sort of bizarre on its face. The idea of inviting the Taliban for tea and crumpets at Camp David. Oh, bring your sleeping bags, boys. We'll uh, play golf. Well, yeah, they should have gone to Mar-a-Lago. That would really have impressed those guys. You know, oh, 16-year-old masseuses? I've died and gone to Islamic fundamentalist heaven already. Bin Laden was right. There are virgins in heaven. (laughs) So, um, you know, uh, Trump's claim that, well, there's been some bad customers uh, invited to Camp David before, I'm guessing is meant to allude to the fact that uh, Clinton, of course, met there famously with uh, Yasser Arafat and uh, Ehud Barak, Barak, the prime minister of time. Uh, but, Israel. Yeah, you know, uh, Arafat was the head of an organization that had been engaged in active, ongoing peace talks for years and years, and whatever his past baggage, he was a diplomat at that point. The Taliban are a ragtag group of mercenary thugs who, uh, it's tribal chieftainism. It's warlordism. It's warlordism. These are not statesmen. Uh, And Afghanistan itself is a mythical state. Let's remember that the border between Pakistan and Afghanistan was 
drawn arbitrarily by, uh, it wasn't Lud Kitchener. I think it was uh, Lord Durand, the Durand line, that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that's the, that's the guy. I think back in the 1890s. But anyway, it was, and he was a British imperialist. Uh, they were obviously, he was the Viceroy of India or something. Um, but he took a pencil and just divided the Pashtun people. Yeah. So this is part of the whole reason that there is this literal propinquity between Pakistan and uh, Afghanistan. And why, by the way, that these northwest uh, so-called territories up in the up in the mountains, up near the Hindu Kush, are not even governed by Pakistan. You know. Right. So. It's it's a little unclear what, you know, the, the the Taliban want the United States to withdraw completely. Uh, the United States basically wants a time to withdraw. But back on the uh, 8th of April, there was an explosion at the Bagram Air Force Base that killed three American service members and one contractor. Headline just says, in Afghanistan, four Americans are killed amidst Peace talks. Yeah, throughout the course of any given week, you'll see little articles, usually somewhere in the middle of the A section of the paper, where one, three, seven, ten Americans are killed in Afghanistan. Yes. In addition to the dozen, two dozen, three dozen, sixty civilians that are killed in Afghanistan. Um, So it's an ongoing endless uh, debacle. And as you say, without the involvement of the Pakistani intelligence agencies in negotiations, we've never really understood the relationship between the Taliban and uh, the fundamentalists, uh, you know, mercenary forces uh, in the region and their connections to Pakistani intelligence. And of course, even in the you know the war that started in two thousand and one in response to nine eleven, we employed the so-called Northern Alliance mm-hmm. to help defeat the Taliban. Well, the Northern Alliance is another warlord entity. Uh, we were supporting many of these ragtag uh, warlords during the Soviet uh, war in the nineteen eighties when Ronald Reagan was president. Gorbachev had the wisdom. To get out of Afghanistan in 1988, um, he proposed it in '87. Said we need to cut our losses and get out of this disaster. At, at the time, it was sort of looked at as uh, the Soviet Union's Vietnam. Well, and it was, and and people forget that um, um, that you know the Soviets allegedly killed almost a million people. You know, this was this was massive slaughter going on. And, you know, Trump, of course, used today's or I should say yesterday's incident in Afghanistan to make this bold announcement about withdrawing from the from the negotiations, these secret negotiations that, by the way, nobody seemed to know anything about. Uh, Good old Mike Pompeo is always toady number one. Or maybe number two after Pence. He's sort of like Tonto, you know. <laughs> comes comes to the rescue to always defend the president and let us know that the president is just a heck of a chief executive and on top of things. 
And, of course, there does seem to be an ongoing uh, rivalry between him and the white mustachioed John Bolton. The walrus of doom. So I like to say that when Boris Johnson, uh, Donald Trump, and uh, Bolton get together, it's Flopsy, Mopsy, and Cottontail. (laughs) And, of course, Boris has been in the news. His brother uh, (laughs) quits the government. Hey, Joe, where are you going with that gun in your hand? <laughs> uh, and, that, and that's becoming surreal, too. Uh, and Boris seems to have miscalculated. And how touching to see the grandson of Winston Churchill in tears. Well, there in, in England, it, you know, on C-SPAN, you can watch uh, coverage of the British uh, Parliament. The House of Commons had some rather entertaining exchanges that I watched over the weekend. Uh, you know, it as ridiculous as it is, at least in Britain, uh, members of Boris Johnson's own party are uh, unhesitant to criticize, condemn, and reject his, you know, headstrong, uh, let's drive the car afford, over yeah. the cliff. Um, unlike the Republican Party here, who have just completely checked out. Well, and I mean, these these problems that still exist with Brexit are real problems. This Irish border situation is a real problem. Let's remember that the George Mitchell, um, who was the envoy, the special envoy uh, for the so-called Good Friday Accords in the 90s, spent years trying to uh, get an agreement for the IRA to sort of permanently come up with a political solution. This is a very delicate situation, period, because of the historical problems with Northern Ireland and regular good old Ireland. And this was one of those issues that was sort of obscured by propaganda, Mm. And wishful thinking about what Brexit actually meant in terms of, well, in the long run, this may end up being the end of the U.K. In other words, UKIP, Nigel Farage's uh, non-existent political party at this point, he doesn't actually have any members in in Parliament. Uh, He was one of two. Uh, you know, it never ceases to amaze that David Cameron had this referendum for reasons that still remain completely unclear to me. Well, and the extent to which uh, Russian troll farms participated sure. in the social media attack on the hearts and minds of British voters is still a huge uh, component of that uh, problem as well. And it's also a reminder, by the way, that there are no democracy quotes in the world, really. There there are representative democracies and republics and whatnot. Parliament, the whole problem here, uh, for these yo, low these many years, over three now, is that there simply is not a majority in the parliament that wants to leave the EU. And Representatives are supposed to, um, in theory, on the one hand, represent their constituents, 
But on the other hand, they sometimes have to take the national interest into uh, consideration. We expect integrity in the process. And it seems to me that Boris Johnson has come in with a kind of quasi-authoritarian concept that he's the man with all the answers. I don't know if he uses Sharpies or not, but <laughs> um, this this whole thing is troubling. Um, he seems to have been outmaneuvered. It looks like there's going to be a parliamentary law that prohibits uh, a no-deal Brexit on the 31st. So his original promise has gone asunder. And it's much like Donald Trump shutting down the government uh-huh. over the wall when he was never going to fulfill his campaign promise. Recall that he said Mexico would pay for it. Uh, they repeatedly told him they will not. So, And, you know, anybody who ever believed that is a grade-A chump pumpkin. I yeah. mean, there was never even the slimmest chance— that Mexico was going to pay for the wall. That was just utter ridiculous. Well, and, and Boris, of course, there there have been some resignations, but he's also booted, I believe, 21 members out of his party. Mm-hmm. How interesting to see more Republicans in the state of Texas uh, retiring. Decide, I think I'm done. I can't run with this guy. Uh, Trump is now... Uh, barely over 50% in the state of Texas in terms of approval ratings because they don't agree with his trade war and some of his immigration policies that have really been cruel. And, uh, well, you know, even if the Democrat does not win in that special election tomorrow in North Carolina that, you know, had been scheduled to, uh, make up for the election of 2018, the midterm there, in which outright fraud had been detected by the Republican candidate. Yeah. Um, Even if the Democrat doesn't win in the special election tomorrow, the numbers are going to be really close, and that's a state that Republicans have carried solidly for many years. Well, and it's a district that Trump won, I think, by 12 points. As did Romney. So, you know, it's 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 going to be one of those things. <clears throat> if the Democrats win, it's obviously a huge victory. Uh, if the Republicans eke out a victory, Trump will want to have a parade. Well, he's going there tonight to uh, have one of his big hoo-ha rallies. And actually, Mike Pence is going there to the other side of the district as well. So... Clearly, they're anxious about it. Very anxious. <clears throat> and who knows um, what will happen. The original candidate, by the way, the original Republican candidate, is not in this particular um, rematch, quote-unquote. He a, dropped out after his own son openly testified in hearings that, yeah, I told my dad not to do that or not to work with that guy. Yeah, and apparently the whole story is just a you know made-for-TV movie of the week. Well, and it also underscores that there's probably way more voter fraud involving absentee ballots uh, than there are people voting twice on election day. Um, you remember that Trump appointed a commission to try and prove 
that he actually won the popular vote. Yeah, oh, that those three million that yeah. Hillary beat him by were fake votes. Fake votes. They must be. Voter fraud. Uh, Kobach couldn't find any uh, such votes, and the ones that he did find were people that fraudulently voted for Donald Trump. I think in the state of Kansas, they ascertained that there were a total of five, and four of them voted for Donald Trump. <laughs> so, so much for that. Uh, Before we close out on uh, the UK and Ireland, just a quick brain damage award to all concerned for the uh, military stay. I mean, for Pence to stay at Trump's estate, you know, 180 miles outside of Dublin or whatever it is that necessitated an extra flight over. Clearly, Pence is, you know, toady number one. And so he's going to do whatever it takes to sure. please the Donald. Oh, yes, we'll stay at your uh, struggling luxury resort. But that incident in which active service Air Force men stayed at the hotel. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't we, the American citizens, pay for three or four sizable Air Force bases in the United Kingdom where well, those guys would traditionally stay to rest and refuel after a long flight. This was a flight to or from the Middle East. Um, whose idea is it? Oh, hey, let's go stay at this lovely seaside resort. No, no, you stay for free. You're a serviceman. You stay for free at the Air Force base. Right. Well, uh, Charles Dickens' first uh, novel, I believe, was called The Pickwick Papers, so maybe the undiscovered Charles Dickens' novel will turn out to be The Prestwick Papers, uh, Prestwick being the Air Force base in Scotland that apparently they're trying to unload because it's losing so much money. So, yeah, there is something a little fishy about all these uh, stopovers uh, by... American military personnel, uh, refueling is what it's euphemistically called on the books. <laughs> you know, another accounting gimmick that... Uh, you figured these guys flying the plane didn't make that decision. Somebody made the suggestion. Right on. Well, Greenland is not for sale. <laughs> uh, the American Air Force might be. Thanks to Andrew for engineering this evening. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is uh, coming up next. Thanks to Andrew for engineering. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Radio Free Ann Arbor. 24 hours a day. Yeah, it sounds all right. Bring it up a little bit. Yeah, let's do it that way. Testing. One, two, three. three. Yeah, that sounds all right. Hold it right there. Hey, Ronnie. Give me the spot. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. And this is Mick sitting in for Jerry Mack. And I'm going to bring you Yazoo City Calling the best I can. Um, so I've got a, a number of things here. I'm not going to have all the background information that Jerry often has. Some of the things I picked out have uh, minimal liner notes at best. 
But this is Bucka White. It's called The Special Streamline. At that 